Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yo, yo. Blog Talk Radio. It's that time. can finally play the game. I got my partner in crime. This is Georgia Bulldog himself, Dylan Short. How you doing, bro? Hello. Just out <laughs> here. Now that football's done, kind of leaves an empty spot in your heart. Yeah, that 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 it does. But you know, the NFL is you know 365. We'll we're stat geeks, so we'll be full on into the into the combine and everything else. But, yeah, actually being able to see live football is, 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 until Labor Day is going to be pretty bad. So, because I'm not counting preseason football because that doesn't count. Um, so let's go ahead and talk about that, you know. This is our last chance to really talk about a game being played on the field. And me and you and I guess the other 85% of America that don't live outside, you know, the different area codes did not see that coming at all. Uh, I'm just going to throw it to you, man. Um, and I just have some questions I want to ask you about it, but I want to give you get your take on it. What 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 happened? You know, I I didn't see that coming. I was left with Eli Dumbface for most of that game, and uh, <laughs> I really I couldn't wrap around my head. I couldn't wrap around that Carolina was actually going to lose until that last infamous fumble. I mean, Denver's defense that was incredible. Vaughn Miller and Demarcus Ware were in the backfield every single play. I mean, there's no other way about it. Cam got shell-shocked probably about 10 minutes into that game. I mean, he got put on his back consistently. He had no time to actually look for a receiver or plant his feet. And when he did throw it, you really saw the deficiency in talent on those Carolina receivers. I mean, Jericho Cotri, three drops on four targets. That was – not the best game for the veteran. And Ted Ginn doing what Ted Ginn does, make two big explosive plays, kind of wimp out from taking the hit and step out of bounds, and then have one bounce off his hands for an interception in the red zone. So that was uh, all hands all hands on deck for Denver. I mean, I can't, I can't really blame too much. That was just a fantastic game by Denver. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic game plan. 
Um, and I just want to throw these questions at you because I figured that we would would come to the same you know game recap because I think there's nothing more you can put on it outside of the, the Carolina defense is not going to get the credit that they deserve because they actually oh. played a phenomenal game as well. But the Carolina offense put them in two bad spots. You know, one really because the other one was an automatic fumble recovery after the strip sack, and then the other one basically put them on the doorstep uh, to give them that ceiling touchdown. So, you know, I, I feel bad for that Carolina defense. They did everything they could uh, to keep them in that game. But there's a couple things I wanted to ask you, and I wanted to see if I was off on this. Do you think that was a catch by Jericho Cotri? I do. Okay, see. I I don't know what a catch is anymore. Right. What? Yeah, I I totally agree. The ball never hit the ground. The ball never hit the ground. Um, He rolled over and never hit the ground. And it comes out that the replay assistant is from Denver. Not the one in uh, New York, but the one that was on the field. They're working with him. It's from Denver. His wife is posting pictures with Peyton Manning and Go Broncos all on the Facebook page. Not that that may have anything to do with it, but that's a terrible, terrible look for the NFL. How do you not know that the replay assistant is from Denver? I mean, nobody knows what a catch is anymore. And I thought that rule was it's allowed to touch the ground as long as you maintain control. But, you know, Going back from Dez to four of Calvin Johnson's plays, I mean, nobody really knows what a catch is anymore. It seemed like this was a much better handle before instant replay where you just kind of looked and said, hey, yeah, that's a catch. Yeah. Um, so the next question I want to ask, do you think Khalid could have been, should have been thrown out for that face mask on Philly Brown? I don't know if I'll say thrown out. Uh, I wouldn't have had any particular problem with it. I can see why they didn't because it's the Super Bowl. I've got more of a problem with them completely missing the offsides on Tlaib. And um, mm-hmm. another there was another pass interference or another hold on Tlaib that they just completely blew. Uh, Tlaib, as, for as good as Denver's defense played, Keep Tlaib had a horrible game. And if they had wanted to, they could have called another two or three pass interferences. I mean, Tlaib's emotions got the better of him, and he was just all over the place. I, I totally agree. I think he should have been, only for the fact that, you know, they got away from, you know, the 515-yard penalty differential. It's all 15 now, and I think that's a good plan. But when you take it and turn it and use that as momentum to swing a player out of bounds, he was trying to – he said it pretty much. I knew it was only going to be another yard, and I was trying to send him a message because earlier in the game they got into it on the sideline, which leave had already gotten a 15-yard penalty for Taunton. So he was he was trying to send him a message, and he could have – really hurt him in this age of concussion and we're trying to make the players safe and this, that, and the other. I think that would have sent a stronger message. And they're talking about just suspending him maybe for the first game. And I know I'm a bit of a homer, but if you're going to say that Vontez Burfick is a repeat offender and going to give him three games when he never has been suspended before, and, Bo- and Tlaib has been suspended once already this year for the outpoke against Dwayne Allen, how do you only give him one game to start next year? I just don't know the inconsistency, like you talked about with the catch, the inconsistency with the the, the, the conduct rules and the suspensions. I, I need the NFL and to be to get together. It's all the way around. And, you know, until they get a new commissioner, it's not going to really go away. I mean, Burfick's big problem was that it was just that noticeable. And he has that reputation going back to college. Tlaib just has a reputation of letting his emotions get the better of him. Um, but I guess they do different rules for the Super Bowl because there were a few <laughs> hits with um, yeah. that one with Cam in the end zone where Derek Wolf took a little shot at him that was yeah. kind of iffy. 
um, on really on both sides. I mean, you could point to hits made by uh, – there was a couple hits by Keekley that were up near that helmet area, and um, they just kind of let him play, which I'm okay with. Um, but you kind of kind of call the game evenly, and the Panthers did get hit for more major penalties. Uh, not that I think it really would have changed the outcome of that game. I think Vaughn Miller and Demarcus Ware just decided that it was their turn to meet the quarterback. <laughs> Agreed. I mean, I think I do think that Carolina got some, some some raw deals on some pieces, and I need somebody to talk to Ron Rivera and say, bro, when you've already lost one challenge, do not use your second challenge on seven yards. Like, I I think they all got show shots after that first quarter. Because I was yelling at the TV like, okay, say you get it, but it's going to only be seven yards, and now you can't challenge for the rest of the game, and you're at the league's mercy uh, for challenging under the two minutes. You can't even think about that. But if something big happens, you know, at 1251 in the third quarter, you're done. Over seven yards. I, 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 didn't, get, I didn't get that at all. And for um, goodness sakes, if Cotri drops <laughs> two, his first two targets, take him out and put in Funches. And then if Mike mm-hmm. Tolbert fumbles the first time on a no-touch, maybe don't run him right back up the middle where he can fumble again on the same drive. I mean, yeah. that was that was a horrible game by the Carolina offense. They couldn't hold on to the ball when they did have the ball, and they couldn't catch it, and Cam couldn't throw it, and they couldn't run the ball. I mean, it was just unbelievable. They they looked completely unprepared for this game. Yeah, they did, and they picked the worst time to have their worst game, and that's what it was. I think a lot of people were just let down by the fact that the way Carolina played. Kids different defense, all the credit in the world. Uh, but that's not the Carolina team that we have been talking about throughout this season, and that, that's probably the best defense they play, and I give them that. But like you just said, the, the decisions by the coaches, the way that they play, and Kotri have really been the one who have been the most shorthanded on the team, right? And he can't catch the ball at all, killed some drives. Um, Tolbert, I, I, I don't know. Um, there's one last thing I want to get to because, of course, we have to address it because we've been talking about it pretty much since the end of the Super Bowl before we get off of this. What did you think about Cam walking out? I thought it was a punk move, but it doesn't shock me. Still a young player, and it's not anything new for Cam. Cam's always been like this when he loses a big game. I mean, you didn't see it in college because he didn't lose at Auburn. Um, I mean, he never thanked a single player in his in his Heisman speech. It was all about Cam. I mean, I'm not shocked, but I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna blow it up like a lot of people in Atlanta media are because it happens to be Cam Newton. I just think it's you know it's one of those things where yeah he needs to grow up some, but then again, I think we're getting a little uh, – we're all a little soft nowadays, and if everybody doesn't handle everything perfectly, then everybody's going to jump all over the place. I mean, dude just lost the Super Bowl. I mean, what are you really expecting him to say? And if you know he's not going to really give you anything good, why do you really care that much? I mean, as far as Cam goes, just man up next time and say we didn't play well. And then when you have your next press conference, don't make a bunch of excuses for it. Because when you make excuses, right. it just kind of shows how much it bothers you. I agree, and 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 I I, I totally agree with that. Um, my piece was for it is this: if you're going to dance, you know, and giving the balls to the kids is fantastic. But if you're going to dab and do everything after the first down, and then you know all these choreographed things after you score a touchdown or make a big play, and then you run up and down the sideline again in the Atlanta game where you're blowing them out, and you're doing the Hulk Hogan when the game's still going on and you're taking pictures of the whole team dabbing while the game's still going on, 
and you put, you know, you put yourself up there for this downfall. So you gave everybody that wanted to have a problem with you the ammunition that they needed to go off on you, right? Because you walked out and you now you give them a reason to. What also shocked me about it was the way that the Denver players right after the game just start tearing into him. And I don't think there was anything that was said really during the game that got them going. I think they were already upset with him. And all that leading to the Super Bowl, they kind of kept it in-house. But it, it exposed another side to it of I don't think his peers respect him as much as he thinks they do. You know, they all kind of came out and supported him for the dance throughout the year when he was getting it. But I don't think they all really feel that way because, you know, right after the horn blew and they got to talking to the different players, they started really going in on Cam. I, I was shocked by that more than I was about the media's whole frenzy about him walking out. That didn't shock me at all. Uh, Cam has that persona because he likes to dance and he likes to talk. Uh, he gets a lot of that. He's that brash, young, arrogant quarterback, uh, and he was the face of the league this year. So anytime somebody is the face of something, that's something that's going to kind of bring defenders together, honestly, and kind of I'll guarantee you that was one of their talking points was let's show them that we're something to talk about too. So the more somebody gets focused on, the more they're going to get when it all comes crashing down. And like you said, if you're going to act and be that brash, I mean, you got to take it. It's part of the job. Come out wearing MVP yeah. cleats, Versace leggings, and all, oh all sorts of that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> oh, he'll learn. It's just one of those things. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah. Don't go back to the leggings. You're making me choke. <laughs> um, yeah, but the thing about it, they did such a good job of keeping it in the house, and then you think throughout the year – they kind of didn't go too hardcore on him. Uh, you know, like, you know, if you don't want him to dance, don't do this. And But saying he's the best, you know, we've ever seen. And then just immediately after, it was like, okay, this is over. We can really just say how we feel about it. I was shocked that it came out like that from so many different players. But you're probably right. They probably talked about it. Um, but, you know, one player, yeah. But, you know, when it's four or five players, I was, I was kind of shocked at that. Well, they were killing him on inside the NFL on Showtime. They were absolutely killing him. And Malik Jackson – um, they caught a few things on Mike saying a few words that were supposed to get you flagged, uh, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that defense was all about getting in Cam's face, and I think that was part of the attack was get Cam as off of his game as possible, and Cam blinked. Oh, yeah, he, he blinked a couple of times. That's what happens. You keep getting hit in the back. <laughs> you know, I mean – Again, just to put a bow on it, you know, great job by a different defense. They came out fired up with a me-against-the-world attitude, and and they proved us all wrong. So, you know, hats off to them. All right, because we don't really care about those two teams to that point, but we got to give it that attention because (laughs) it is the Super Bowl. Uh, So now heading into the combine here, and our free agency getting to start here shortly, uh, we are going to kind of give a couple wish lists for our Falcons and Bengals uh, respectively. And I'll go to you because I think the Falcons are going to have to do more in free agency than the Bengals will only because there are more holes that I think the Falcons need to shore up. Uh, The Bengals, I think, have more key free agents, but I think the Falcons have more needs, if that makes sense. Uh, So I just want to kind of – I think we talked about a little bit before, but I kind of just want to pick your brain about uh, what what would you like to see uh, the Falcons do here in free agency? It's definitely true that it's bigger on the Falcons. Uh, The Bengals' point of emphasis is going to be re-signing their own players – and the Falcons yeah. need to retool and get starters and a lot of starters between free agency and the draft. Um, mm-hmm. the, my point of emphasis for them through free agency is really it's going to be tight end and linebacker. 
but they also need another two safeties. They also need another pass rusher. They also need another corner. They also need another receiver. <laughs> they also need two guards. And they also need a center. Um, so as far as I've got, we'll start off, I'll focus on uh, tight ends. And he's been slowly moving up. And the only reason I haven't mentioned him before is I didn't think that his team would be stupid enough to let him go. But Ladarius Green, you realize he's going to be a free agent. And yeah, San Diego is re-signing Antonio Gates. And I, I just yep. saw this where San Diego is trying to re-sign Antonio Gates. Now, I uh-huh. thought for the life of me that there was no possible way San Diego would let a 6'6", 265-pound stud receiving tight end who may be one of the fastest tight ends in the league. And I never thought they'd let him go. I mean, he's only 25. And if I'm Atlanta, yeah. I mean, this is tailor-made. I mean, you want a receiver – for your offense, you want one of these faster type tight ends like uh, Kyle Shanahan had and Jordan Reed. And Ladarius Green is better than Jordan Reed. And he's not as bad a blocker as I originally thought. He's not going to win any awards for it, but right. he's better than Jacob Tammy. And he runs yeah, actual got, routes a huge fun. target. I mean, mm-hmm. and he's got legitimate downfield speed. I mean, it just makes too much sense for it not to happen. Um, right. Dwayne Allen wouldn't be a bad move too. Dwayne Allen would be very under the radar type signing. Um, mm-hmm. Athletics all get out coming out of Clemson, uh, just a little too injury prone. But Ladarius Green for me, that's who you got to get. And then a yep. linebacker, I think, would be my next real big option. And the name that I've said to you and I've hammered a few times is Zach Brown, inside linebacker mm-hmm. out of Tennessee. You get him, you can get him for probably two and a half, three million dollars. Move him to the outside where his speed is a real advantage. And he's not having to be ISOed on fullbacks. He can fly around all over the place. He's fantastic. And as long as, uh, as well as Tahir Whitehead from Detroit. Um, Tahir Whitehead's one of these guys that nobody's really talking about. Um, real under the radar. He's a fifth round pick at the Temple. But he started um, at the end of 2014, he started once uh, Stephen Tullock got hurt. Started most mm-hmm. of this year uh, because DeAndre Levy was hurt. And he's a free agent this year. He wants to start. But with DeAndre Levy coming back, there's not really a spot on that Detroit linebacking core for him to start. And if I'm Atlanta, I'm plucking to hear Whitehead as quickly as possible, too. That's another 25-year-old sideline sideline uh, linebacker who is a top five, according to Pro Football Focus, top five linebacker against the run and a top ten against the pass. I mean, yeah. these are just moves really for the Falcons. It's hard to get worse than you are. But these are moves that you kind of see <laughs> my points. These are moves where you can get young guys who are very good but are flying under the radar, whether it's from bad situations they were in before or places where they're just kind of stuck behind an established veteran. And these are the guys that the Falcons need to go after. These are the guys that can make up a core where you the Falcons have no 26-, 27-year-old veteran leadership that's, you know, starting caliber, especially on that defense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've got more, but we'll we'll kick back and forth. Uh, we'll hear what you've got kind of starting for Cincinnati right now. Yeah, so I, uh, I like that Dwayne Allen one because, for me, you don't know, one, you gotta, you're got probably going to have to give Eifert, especially off a 13-touchdown season, a nice check after his contract is up next year. But um, I don't know if they can convince Dwayne Allen 
to come uh, because he's probably tired of splitting with Kobe Flaner, so he probably don't want to come to Cincinnati and do the same thing. But if they could get him just to kick the tires on him um, and hedge their bets, uh, and I also like to see them go to a more two-tight end type set and get back to running the ball and stop exposing Dalton as much. Um, and I don't think that Sam Peasy is going to call all those crazy formations that you get from a Hugh Jackson. Uh, so I would like that one as well. Wide receiver, because, I, look, we're not going to get Marvin Jones. Uh, outside of Alshon Jeffrey, he's probably going to be the number two wide receiver on the market. Somebody's going to overpay him. Um, so Definitely. I would say, you know, you just have to, have to go ahead and let that go. You can't give him that much money and have that much money tied up in A.J. Green. That's just not how the Bengals work. Somebody I'd like to fly under the radar, I like Rashard Matthews from Miami. He just has got a numbers game happening down there in Miami. I just don't think there's enough balls. But if you look at it, he's, he's had some really good games. He got hurt a little bit. But, you know, if you can come in and plug him and say you're going to be number two outside of A.J. Green, he runs good routes, um, and put him, it takes some of that pressure off of Eifert over the middle. I think that's a good signing. And one of those two um, Seattle wide receivers who they can't keep them both and curse and lock, lock it. I mean, they show up here and there, but, you know, the Seattle offense was in transition. So I'm not going to kill them for their lack of production because basically it was play defense and give it to Beast Mode. And then when Beast Mode got hurt, they had to kind of figure out, you know, how they were going to revolve it around Russell Wilson. And, of course, he gravitated towards Doug Baldwin, and Doug is clearly going to be his number one. Um, so that would be for me. And before I throw it back to you, I think, you know, for us, it's going to have to be in the secondary. When you've got both of your safeties and, you know, Pac-Man and uh, Old Man River, uh, Leon Hall, being uh, all being free agents, I personally would re-sign Pac-Man. I wouldn't do anything ignorant, um, but I would, re- I would re-sign him. Um, you're going to get Marquez, you're going to get Denard back. Uh, this is a make or break year for Kirkpatrick, and his contract is up after next year. So you got to leave a little money for that in case he, you know, gets to be who you thought he was going to be. Um, but then, you know, a Janoris Jenkins is out there. I like Casey Hayward from Green Bay. And, you know, Sean Siff is not bad from Kansas City. So, I, you know, I think Janoris is probably going to be too expensive. But, you know, these are people I would just kick the tires on the seat. Um, if, if it would work out. And at safety, um, I, I think they should play your boy, Sean Williams, personally, um, and promote him. I think, I think they're I going to. Uh, I think they will let Nelson go unless he, you know, takes a hometown discount, which I doubt, and let, you know, Williams and, and Ioka basically be your safeties back there. So go to your next round for, uh, for the Falcons. <clears throat> Luckily, all three of those positions that you talked about with Cincinnati are also positions that the Falcons need to improve on. <laughs> So uh, I think that's everybody. I mean, you mentioned you mentioned one of the names on receivers. I had Jermaine Curse down as well. Um, I had Marvin Jones originally, and we've talked about this. I love Marvin Jones as a player. I think he's a very underrated receiver. People people don't realize he had ten touchdowns two years ago when he filled in. Yeah, he had ten touchdowns. Uh, yep. He's going to price himself out of that range because I think ideally for number two, the Falcons are going to try to spend. Under three, I don't think you can really try to try to build for as much as they need and give more than three because they've got about three million, that. but they've really, they've really got like eighteen people they need to upgrade. Um, yeah. So Jermaine Curse is going to be iffy. If he'll keep himself under that price range, I'd like to see Jermaine Curse. Um, he he reminds he's a slightly better Harry Douglas, not a not a much better, but uh, he's very gritty and he doesn't mind going over the middle. Um, Ricardo Lockett, obviously, uh, that's the one that I've seen Seattle is more inclined to sign because it'll be cheaper. There's not much difference, mm-hmm. really, between Lockett and Curse's Towns. It was a good call on Rashard Matthews. He just seems to be one of these guys that seems to be all potential, no production, because he always gets hurt. Um, my yeah. sneaky name that I think would be a really good 
attempt on a receiver would be Jerron Brown um, out of uh, Arizona. Uh, he's been behind that triumvirate in Arizona since he's come out of the since he's come out of Clemson. He's been stuck behind Michael Floyd, John Brown, and Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, but Jerron yeah. Brown is a size speed freak. He's six two, two hundred and fifteen ish pounds. Uh, he's got good hands. I would roll the dice on him. He'll be cheap. Um, he's just he's a big guy you can put across from Julio, and he'd face a lot of single coverage. So I would roll the dice on the cheap one from there. Uh, secondary as well, big problem in Atlanta. Uh, they've got one corner, and that's all they've got. Uh, they need yeah. two safeties. They need another corner, and they could probably use a better nickel corner as well. Uh, I did just see that thing on Casey Hayward today where he is not likely to go back to Green Bay because he wants to start on the outside. Uh, I yep. like Casey Hayward a lot. I don't think he's a fit here. I think he's too small, too slight. Um, I don't think the Falcons would start him on the outside. Um, you mentioned Janoris Jenkins. I think he goes back to St. Louis. I've got his teammate zeroed in, Tremaine Johnson. I think he is a, a prototypical Dan Quinn fit. He's a big, big cornerback, about 6'2", about 220 pounds, just a big physical beast out of Montana. Um, I think he fits this. He played much better this season. Um, he uh, he was one of these guys who really couldn't find his way onto the field for the first few years of his career. But now that he's gotten there, uh, he's kind of switched. He can play safety or corner, but I think he's a corner in our system. And he he's a good press man type of guy rather than a zone, which uh, I think Dan Quinn would love to have him. I'm hoping – no offense, but I'm hoping – that the Bengals re-sign Reggie Nelson because Georgia Loca is really the only safety <laughs> that makes any sort of sense outside of the draft for the Falcons. I think Reggie Nelson will be too old to bring him in. Um, Eric Berry is going to be way too expensive, especially having an all-pro season coming off of the battle with cancer. Um, there's not He's really right. any good safeties. The next safety after that is David Bruton Jr. That's really it's, – it's a very weak safety class as far as free agents go. Yeah. Luckily, it's deep in the draft. So, I, Ideally, I think they pick it up in the draft instead of free agency. And then um, as far as pass rushers go, I mean, Bruce Irvin is kind of the heavily talked about one. I'm starting to wonder if it's actually going to happen. I really hope not because he's basically just Vic Beasley. Um, I don't know where you're going to start him because he's not good against the run. Uh, he's never had more than seven sacks on a season. He's not a bad player, but you're going to have to break the bank on him. You're going to have to give him at least $6 million, and that's not something I'm sure I really want to do. Olivier Martin or Olivier Vernon, um, most think he's going to get away from Miami because he's going to be very expensive yeah. in Miami's and cap Hades right now. Um, <laughs> I don't know if the Falcons could afford him. I'd take a run at him. Um, and Malik Jackson from Denver. Um, Denver's in that same boat yeah. where they have to re-sign Von Miller. They got to re-sign Danny Trevathan. They got to re-sign Brandon Marshall. Um, one of their cornerbacks needs a new contract. Uh, one of their safeties as well. They've got a lot of people they have to re-sign and not a yeah. lot of money left to do it. They already re-signed Derek Wolf. Uh, so Malik Jackson may slip through the cracks, and I would take a huge run at Malik Jackson. Uh, fantastic against the run, but he's also a top ten versus the pass too, and just a big old boy who can you could slide on the end of that line and really shore up both your running and your pass rush, breaking down that pocket. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I had some of those people marked down as well, and I think we may have the same person as center because only one, but he's going to command too much money, and 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 I, and I think that only he would take a little pay cut to maybe have a better chance to win is Alex back from Cleveland. Um, 
because he's a fantastic center. He's the only one out there on the market that I would spend maybe a little bit of money on. But there are a couple of centers in the draft that, you know, unless his number is too high, I would, I, I would shy away from. He talked about a linebacker. For me, for the Bengals, I, they can't start Vincent Ray and, Mon, and Emmanuel Lamore. Uh, they are guys that can fill in when somebody's hurt, but they are very important to the Bengals special teams unit, which has been really good. Um, so I think they're going to have to do it through the draft like we talked about last week because they're not going to break the bank on a Trevathan or a Brandon Marshall. And I, to, I had Zach Brown there as well. Uh, I'm not really sold on Mason Foster or Mark Barron. They may be cheaper, but I don't know if they're going to be huge upgrades over Malayuga and uh, A.J. Hawk. They may be a little better, but not substantially better. Um, and really outside of that, maybe a Nick Fairley, if you could get him to play in the middle, to, to play next to um, – excuse me <clears> – help <throat> rush on the, on the inside. But – I think they're going to have to really focus on some of these things in the draft. But we talked about it. The defensive line is so stacked in the draft. Um, oh, I don't know if I would go to the finish. Go ahead. I said it's an unbelievable defensive line class this draft. I mean, outside of yeah. edge rushers. Defensive tackles especially. This is the deepest one I can recall ever seeing. Exactly. That's why I'm wondering if anybody really is going to overpay for somebody else's free agent when you're looking at this laundry list of young guys that you're going to have on a four- or five-year deal uh, coming in the draft. So uh, I'll throw it back to you. That's all I really I had. I'm, I'm really more focused on them, you know, re-signing those key people uh, in the secondary and then kind of filling in the space uh, with the draft. Because the Bengals don't have a lot of holes. Uh, they just got to keep the guys there and keep a younger core and, uh, and, then, and fill in the same way they've been doing. That kind of – that kind of Green Bay philosophy where we draft our own, we keep our own, and we just kind of fill in here and there with free designers, but we don't go over the top with it. I don't have much more. There's a lot of players I'd like to see, but I think the name of the game for the Falcons is to play that mid-tier game and get younger players who are good starters and not really go after and try to land that splash free agent. Like, I'd love to see Nick Fairley here in Atlanta, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It costs way too much money. Right. You've got too many needs. Uh, I'd love to see Alshon Jeffrey across from Julio. Not going to happen. Yeah. Um, I do think they could potentially get a center fairly cheap. I think they could get Ben Jones. Um, he started with the Texans with the Texans for a few years. He's he's a good center. Not great by any means, but he's league average maybe a little maybe a tick better in the run blocking game than the passing game but he is from his own system he's very familiar with that and he's young and he's a lot better than Mike Person is uh and that's one of those where you would upgrade just from not having Mike Person as your starting center uh and I can guarantee you that Ben Jones isn't going to muff eight snaps in the season um, but outside of that there's really you know a lot of these guys are it's not a great free agent class overall. Um, mm-hmm. Next year's looks a little bit more stacked. It's just it's one of these ones I don't think – I would have said Derek Johnson, even though he's getting older, but he's going to price himself around the $6 million range, and I think that's yep. too much for the Falcons to spend on a middle linebacker. Uh, I would love to see Trevathan, but I don't think he's going to be in the Falcons' price range. Brandon Marshall's going right. to get a one-year ten from the Broncos as well. It's just one of those things. Vincent Ray and Emmanuel Lemur. They're both free agents, so Cincinnati's really only going to be able to keep one. But I don't think either one of them is a significant enough upgrade from Justin Duran or Brooks Reed to really go after. Maybe if you sign them for depth and you end up meeting them, that'd be a good signing. But as far as right. starters go, that's really about all you're going to find. Yeah, and, and that's what I say about those two. And I think they may be able to sign them both just because I think everybody 
when they start to pour into it, it's going to come to the same realization that these guys are good for special teams and depth, but they're not going to be uh, so much of a better upgrade of what you already have. There's one name that we talked about before, and, um, and he's suspended for, I was the six games with Allen and Smith. If you could get him on the cheap, I think I might take that risk oh, because, uh, a strong locker room, you know, a strong locker room. But I hear you. You need more singles and doubles when you're trying to figure out, the, you know, I'll get a younger core and not try to hit home runs with the Derek Johnson and the Tom Dahl leads. Yeah, world. when you bat, you, gonna funny, you just need a single. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Um, so, yeah, that we, we hit on that. We'll be doing a good job uh, between the, the Falcons and the Eagles the last two weeks. With the, so I hope they all are listening. We're giving you some good ideas. Give us some credit when you do it. Um, staying here in Atlanta, um, I hate it for the Hawks, especially after the year they had last year, but you knew you were going to have a – Regression to the mean, so to speak. Uh, they weren't as good as they showed. They got on the tear, but I didn't expect them to fall back so hard. And I've been reading stories about, you know, them breaking up the core. And you being uh, here uh, from Atlanta, I was just wondering, you know, what do you think about that? Do you think uh, they should keep it together, some of it together, just break up the whole thing? I'm pretty sure I know where you're going with it, but I just I, I put this in here for you. So you go ahead and have the floor. Well, you may not have thought that they would fall back, unless you listened to me before the season, uh, where I predicted them to fall to around that 44 to 46 wins. Last year's was a fluke season. They weren't a true 60-win team. Like, when you think of true 60-win juggernauts, they had that unbelievable January where they went 19-0, and but that was unsustainable, and that was a fluke. If you looked at the rest of their season, uh, they were about a 48 to 50-win club. This year they're a little bit worse uh, by losing to Mari Carroll. And I agree with blowing up this core. I mean, in basketball, the name of the game is whatever you do, do it well. If you're good, you need to be really good. If you're bad, you need to be really bad. I mean, being mediocre does not pay off in basketball. I mean, anybody basically can make the playoffs. And all three of – all of our core, quote-unquote, they're all – they're – they're all complementary pieces to begin with. None of them is really good enough to take you over that hump to begin with. And I've seen some trades for Jeff Teague uh, where the two names really being bandied about are Victor Oladipo or George Hill. I love that. And if somebody's offered me Victor Oladipo for Jeff Teague, I will take that in a heartbeat. You're talking about a young yes. two-guard who can also play point guard <laughs> and get to the rim and is an outstanding defender. Um, Al Horford's a little bit difficult. And that's one of the things Hawks fans need to learn to let go because we talked about this on the front row a little bit today. Um, you would be amazed the amount of people saying to give Al Horford a max deal because we need to, or because who else are we going to spend the money on? And I'm like, that's that's a dumb move. You can get five of their yeah. players for that instead of paying a 30-year-old $40 million a year. I mean, Al Horford's never been a max contract guy. I mean, you've seen what he can do in his prime. He's past his prime. I mean, he's not a he's not a top player in this league, and he's gonna go at the end of the season. So you need to trade him and get something for it. Um, the only right. one I've really seen is Boston has kind of been the big yep. quote unquote suitor. I would imagine it would be for somebody like Tyler Zeller, um, somebody who's not getting a whole lot of minutes in that front court. But I think I think Tyler Zeller would get more here. I've seen a few for for Corver. The biggest one for that tends to be Cleveland. And I'm all for trading Corver. I thought it was stupid to give Corver five million a year, six million a year when they did re up his contract. I thought that was completely dumb. I mean, you paid a guy who's basically just a three and no D player. He's just a three. 
And I, I thought that was I thought that was a bad move to begin with. Um, Millsap's a little bit trickier. There there will be a market on Millsap, uh, but you're paying him twenty million a year, so that market will be difficult, and you won't get that young player that you're thinking of in return. So if you're thinking that you're going to get some young for or young talent or a high first round pick for any of these guys, I hate to break it to you, but outside of Hawksland, nobody really looks at this team like that. This is a team of so they're not really going to bring in what you're expecting them to. It's almost like when you see uh, San Antonio got traded, unless you're talking about a Tony Parker or a LaMarcus Aldridge or a Kawhi Leonard, those are really the only three that would bring you anything in return. This is just a, this is a team where the sum is greater than its parts. These aren't guys that are going to bring you uh, a lottery pick. Yeah. The only thing, the only way that I would say about that is that they may be able to drive up the market on on Horford, and because only Boston could give him one because of that ridiculous trade the Nets made with them for the overhill Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, you know, Boston is looking at like eight picks, I think, potentially in this draft. So you might be able to get one of those picks, um, maybe not the, the Nets pick because it's going to be too high, but you may be able to get Boston's pick and a Zeller for a Horford. That may be doable, and I totally agree with T. That's what I was telling you before. That Burke and Burke deal they were talking about, I will hold off a little longer. If you tell me I can have Oladipo <laughs> – for Jeff Teague, I will I will sign that right now while we're on the phone. Please fax me that deal. That that is a winner. So <laughs> I'm only saying that because the Burks deal's falling through. They're, yeah, uh, I, I like the, the more that they've seen Rodney Hood play, the more they want to see Rodney Hood play with Alec Burks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like the Old Depot deal better. That's just me. I do. Um, and so the, I would agree. Horford doesn't want to be here. He's talking about building his brand and whatnot. When he said that, I knew he was out the door. Uh, so I would deal him to Boston if I could get one of those picks from them and, and Zeller and then, again, follow the depot fatigue. So I, I agree. They, they've about peaked. I just wanted them to get the best deal they can get, and I think those are probably the best two deals they can get if Boston and Orlando agree to them. Um, don't be afraid to go ahead and tank. I mean, if you, you know you're not going to win anything this year, um, basically anybody who isn't the Oklahoma Thunder or Golden State or San Antonio – basically knows you're not winning anything this year. So don't be afraid yeah. to tank it this year. I mean, there's there's no point making it to the second round of the playoffs to do nothing. There's really no point to making it past the first round of the playoffs and know you have no chance in the next round. Go ahead and let these teams that are getting older, go ahead and let them fight each other and get hurt, and you can go ahead and get a higher pick, especially because this is not a very deep, bas- this is not a very deep draft this year. Very shallow draft. You're not going to have a good yeah. starter past number, probably number 12. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Um, and the only thing about it here is, though, you know, sometimes the Atlanta fans can be fair weather. I don't know how – if they tank, and I, I agree with what you're saying, you could be really good, really good, or really bad, but if they openly do a Philadelphia tank, they don't have that history that the 76ers have in Philadelphia. I, don't, I, I just don't think so. It's going to be hard to get them back if you're talking about winning five to ten games a year like Philadelphia is doing. It's going to be hard to get them no, back. I ain't it's that bad of a tank. <laughs> you said you're really, really good and really, really bad. That's been really, really bad. I'm talking about – Maybe be top, be a top ten, be a lotto team, not a okay. not a breaking records for losing team. <laughs> okay, I maybe a you. Denver Nuggets so type team. Okay, I got you, I got you. Um, I was going to skip one. This is why we're here because I think we probably feel the same way about Johnny Manziel. Until he gets his life together, you know, off the field, there's there really even should be no discussion about him on an NFL field. This dude is. He just has to get a life coach. He has to get that together before he can even talk about quarterback in the team. And I think he may have burnt all those. Anyway. 
dude needs to get yeah, I mean, yeah. face every time for what needs to happen. Yeah, well, it needs yeah, to okay, happen yeah. already. And I'm I'm a little bit yeah, it's coming. not really compassionate, Wait. I guess. So it's no, uh, I'm a little bit. Me- I lean on the mean <laughs> side, I guess. Uh, where everybody says, "Oh, well, he has a disease. He has a disease." I understand that, but I'm not going to feel sorry for you, dude. I mean, no one is forcing you to drink and snort and act a fool. I mean, that was yeah. you who decided to do that, and you did it a little bit longer. And then you try to clean up your act, and I'll commend you for that. And then you just decided, eh, I'm going to go back to doing what I want to do. And lo and behold, shocker, Mommy and Daddy, if you don't deal with this stuff while he's young, you can't expect him to move out and have his own millions in addition to your billions and just randomly decide he wants to clean it up. And it's a sad story because he's talented, but you know, I, I, I don't feel sorry for you. And I'm sorry to say it sounds bad, but I really don't feel sorry for you. This is something you brought on yourself, and if you don't clean it up yourself, nobody can do it for you. I mean, nobody's going to do it for you, and he's going to play himself out of league before he even plays. Yeah, agreed. And the other piece of that puzzle is, and I don't think it's getting the airtime that it's being given for other athletes, is that, you know, this is the second altercation of domestic violence uh, situation with a woman, and he had, for reports, he ruptured his latest girlfriend's eardrum. So, I mean, even outside of what you're doing to yourself, now you're bringing other people into it, and you're harming them physically. Um, so he's got a whole mess to deal with, and I totally agree. He had the silver spoon. They didn't take care of the issues when he was younger. This is what you get. I don't feel sorry for him, but, you know, let's stop talking about him until he actually gets adjudicated, for one, and gets his life together. Then worry about what he can do for an NFL franchise because he can't do any of that this year without getting the first two of those things together. I, I just don't think it can happen. Wouldn't pay him any um, sort of money. Yeah, no, 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 no. He couldn't be in my locker room. Um, so I had to put this in here, not because I'm a Sacramento Kings fan by any stretch of the imagination, but this just goes to show you how ridiculous the Sacramento Kings are. Now, Jamarcus Cousins in the beginning of the year told him he didn't want George Carl. He tweeted out, you know, the stakes in the grass about him, and Carmelo has done the same thing. If you go back and look, there have been multiple players that have tweeted about uh, or sent a message about George Carl with the same kind of snake in the grass emoji, Right. Um, so your best player doesn't want him, hasn't worked all year. Um, then you come out and say, oh, we're going to fire him at the All-Star break. And then you say, nah, he's going to be our head coach. What is Sacramento doing? <laughs> I mean, how can you take them seriously as an organization? I don't know. Sacramento is a huge comedy at this point. I mean, they're not a bad roster. They've got a lot of talent on that roster. They just they cannot get a head coach. And honestly, I thought they should have kept Mike Malone. I thought Mike Malone yeah. was a good fit for them. He was good for Boogie. He kept Boogie kind of corralled instead of going crazy mental. Um, he mm-hmm. had Rudy Gay have his most effective season. I mean, I, I I don't know. And they've got Vlade Divac in their front office like, dude, you played. Like, you should yeah. know what a good coach looks like. But he's still I mean, stuck you, back you in the Jaws Carl. Uh, he's, he's stuck in the Jaws Carl, uh, Seattle Supersize, Gary Payton, uh, Rain Man mode. He's... He, he, George Carl has not evolved with the younger guys in the league, and, and it just showed. It's just showed up. Um, but I agree. I think they didn't give uh, Malone enough time, uh, and I think that was their biggest Ooh. downfall. He was trying. Yeah, I I just had to put it in there so we could talk bad about him because they're so ridiculous. Like unless you're just desperate to coach to get to put it on your resume, why would you even take that job? I mean, you can't just switch coaches twice a year and expect your team to to just come out of that okay. 
I mean, as it goes right now, they're not like they've got no depth as far as bigs go. They've got fourteen guards and no threes. <laughs> they've got nothing yeah. behind yeah, exactly. Nothing behind Demarcus Cousins, but yet they've got Rajon Rondo, Darren Collison, Ben McLemore's been a bust. I mean, it's <laughs> yes. it's just a completely disjointed team. And they if they had a decent chemistry, they're a good enough team to make it to the playoffs. They're not they're not devoid of talent. Anytime you've got somebody like Boogie Cousins down low who's a nightly thirty and fifteen threat, I mean you're you're talking about one of the short list big men in the NBA. Yeah. Agreed. So before we get cut off here, I just want to say thank you guys for listening to the show and downloading it. And as always, Dylan, it's been a pleasure to bat, uh venture around with you for these <laughs> these topics. These people are crazy, they make our job so easy. Um I think that keeps up at the end here. <laughs> I, I want to do some, some hot stove stuff So I, I think I'll put that towards the top next week uh, Getting some of these baseball signings over the past month Because we both love baseball So for our people listening that love baseball We'll, we'll try to give you some more of that uh, next week um, Go ahead and, and, and sign us off there bro. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead and sign us off there bro. <laughs> it's been a pleasure I'll talk another, to you later Another fantastic week Never get tired of doing this Um only thing I'd be tired of is having to be angry on the topics all the time. But for all the fans, we're going to be the voices for you. Um, we'll keep railing until something gets done. And trust me, I promise you, when good things happen, we'll be the first ones to laud them. Uh, so make sure you hit us back next week, 6 o'clock, every time. Email us with any questions you got. Night, guys. Bye. Talk to you later, bro. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.